you're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Matchin once wrote that strange things are lost and forgotten in obscure corners of the newspaper. Welcome to Forgotten Darkness, a podcast that will aim to prove that that statement is true. In February of 1692, two young relatives of Reverend Samuel Paris of Salem Village, Massachusetts, today's city of Danvers, began displaying puzzling behaviors. Soon the aberrant behavior spread to the other young girls, and three women were accused of tormenting them via sorcery. The rest, as they say, is history, and I'm sure there's scarcely an aficionado of the weird, the creepy, and the ghostly particularly in the United States, who doesn't know the story of the Salem Witch Trials. But while these were going on, some miles to the east, in the coastal city of Gloucester, equally weird events were unfolding. The story of these unaccountable troublers, as they were called, is recorded in Cotton Mather's Magnolia Christi Americana. In the summer of that year, Farmer Ebenezer Babson reported that he heard noises from outside his house, noises that sounded as if a number of people were running about. Eventually, these moved into the house proper, and one night, returning to his home, he saw his front door swing open and two men run out. The men ran from the house into a nearby cornfield. But when Ebenezer came into his house, the rest of the family told him that no one had been there, and certainly... Nobody ran out of the house as if in a panic. So Ebenezer grabbed a rifle, and armed with his gun, he went out into the cornfield and began to search for the men. He eventually came across them in a woodland not far away, behind a fallen log. When he approached, the men ran off into a swampy area. But as they went, Ebenezer heard them muttering to one another, The man of the house is here, else we might have taken the house. After this meeting with the mysterious trespassers, the entire Babson family went to a military stockade nearby. No sooner had they arrived than the sounds of footfalls were heard outside. Like before, Ebenezer Babson got his gun and ran outside, and once more, two men ran from him into a swampy area. Two days later, in a meadow, Babson saw two men who, according to Mather's book, quote, looked like Frenchmen, one of them having a bright gun upon his back, running towards him. He turned tail and fled back towards the stockade, and the sounds of stamping feet were again heard from outside. And a few nights after this, crashing noises, like stones being tossed to garrison walls, was heard. Babson and John Brown saw three men patrolling within gunshot range of the fort, 
This marked the first time the men were actually seen by anyone other than Ebenezer Babson, although they had been heard by them on several occasions. The two aimed their guns at the three men, but they ran to and fro between a cornfield and some bushes so rapidly that the shots were never taken. Babson and Brown were again patrolling on the night of July 14th when they again saw the men, this time six or seven of them. And this time, several others in the garrison saw the marauders as well. The militiamen ran out of the stockade after them. Babson, who had run out with the others, fired at two men who ran out of the bushes. The bullet missed the men, who turned right around and ran back into the bushes. He was then returning to... He then was returning to the rest of the militiamen when three of the presumed enemies walked out of a swamp. Babson again fired his gun, all three of the men falling to the ground when he did so. He called to the others that he had killed three of them, but the three men all got up again, and one returned fire at Ebenezer Babson. Babson dodged the shot and took refuge behind a tree. The militia arrived, and they saw the men all running in different directions. One man ran into a cornfield and was pursued. They managed to corner the man, who leapt over a fence and towards Babson. Babson reflexively fired, and the body of the man fell near the fence. But when he ran over, the body of the man had disappeared. The other soldiers searched the field for the man who had been shot, but he was nowhere to be found. But from the nearby swamp, they heard several voices speaking to each other. But, says Mather, they could not understand what they said, for they spoke in an unknown tongue. Later, after returning to the garrison, the men were again seen, several of them running between the cornfield and the bushes. On the morning of July 15th, one of the men ventured up almost to the wall of the garrison. Isaac Prince fired at him, and he ran off. Next, Babson was traveling towards Gloucester Harbor when he was again fired at. The bullet lodged itself in a nearby tree, and Babson wheeled around to see four men running towards him with guns drawn. He dove into the bushes and fired at the men, and they ran away. He went to the harbor, returning to the garrison eventually with six other men. They took the bullet out of the tree into which it had been fired. Several footprints were found, and another of the men was seen, this one looking like a Native American and wearing a blue jacket with his hair tied up. He ran into a swamp, and then another man was seen, this one looking like a Frenchman. Later that day, Ezekiel Day and several others were patrolling the woods when they came across a man who resembled a Native American and was clad in blue, possibly the one encountered earlier, who Day fired at. Another marauder ran after the first, and though Day and his companions looked for them, they could not be found. John Hammond was also patrolling the woods, and he came across another in a blue jacket and white pants, quote, and something about his head, but he likewise eluded Hammond. Three or four men approached the garrison on July 17th, but they fled before guns could be fired. Richard Dolliver and Benjamin Ellery saw 11 men near an orchard, striking a house with a stick. Dolliver shot at the men, and they ran away. The next day, Major Samuel Appleton brought in 60 men from Ipswich. John Day went to another military post nearby, and there, together with a militia company, he investigated gunshots heard near there. He said a man with a blue shirt and bushy hair ran out of the swamp 
and into the woods. Though they gave pursuit, the man was unfound. No footprints could be found either. Then, on July 25th, Ebenezer Babson was back at his home when he came upon three men standing on a rocky outcropping looking towards the sea. He approached them stealthily and fired at them when able. He claimed to have fired at the men more than a dozen times, missing every time, even though he was only about 40 yards away from them. The three men, though, only walked leisurely towards him and glanced at him nonchalantly. They disappeared into some bushes. Babson fired a few more times, but no more was heard. It was said at this point, the people, quote, concluded they were but specters. They took, fur- they took little further notice of them. Mather concludes his account, The substance of what is written will be enough to satisfy all rational persons that Gloucester was not alarmed last summer for above a fortnight together by real French and Indians, but that the devil and his agents were the cause of all the molestation. On September 5th, on September 5th, 1692, Ebenezer Babson entered into the story of the Salem witch trials proper, coming forward and accusing Elizabeth Dicer and Margaret Prince, both of Gloucester, of having grievously hurt and tortured his mother Eleanor, as well as Mary Sargent. Margaret Prince was the mother of Isaac Prince, who had shot at one of the mystery men on July 15th. Another document says that Prince also tormented Elizabeth Booth of Salem via sorcery. During the examination of Prince, several of the afflicted, the young girls of Salem who were the primary accusers during the trials, said that they saw the black man, the devil, standing on a table, and another said that she saw a coffin. One said that the spirit of Margaret Prince had revealed to her that she had murdered a Mrs. Duncan of Gloucester as well. Both women filed a petition a few months later, seeking to be released from the jail in Ipswich where they were being held. They were eventually released without any formal charges. One thing that is unclear from the surviving documentation is whether these charges had anything to do with the appearance of the mystery men, who, if you'll remember at first, afflicted Babson alone. So were the phantom besiegers the work of the devil, as the Puritans unsurprisingly believed? Were they phantoms? Or like the witch trials themselves, were they just the result of some mass hysteria? The fact that several of them were identified as both Native Americans and Frenchmen is perhaps telling, as Massachusetts was still reeling from King Philip's War, a bloody conflict with the Wampanoag, Narragansett, and Wabanaki tribes, as well as most others inhabiting that region of the country. Raids were made into the heartland of Massachusetts, and though the war had been over for for 15 years by that point, many people still bore the trauma and fear of marauding natives. At the time of the Phantom Siege, the British had only a few years before entered into King William's War, a conflict with not only the French, but with their allied Native American tribes as well. In this way, it can be seen as a precursor to the French and Indian War of a century later. The fact that the besiegers took on the shape of two groups of people with whom the colonial government had conflict is perhaps telling. In his accounting of the mystery, Robert Schneck draws parallels with other tales of mysterious night sieges. The instances in which the people were shot at are very reminiscent of Kelly Hopkinsville. The shots either miss their targets, or they merely fall to the ground, and then get back up. 
On the occasions in which one of the goblins was shot at Kelly, for instance, the exact same thing was noted. He also paralleled the case in some regards to the Seizure Ape Canyon, where the shack was pelted with rocks all night. Remember that rocks being thrown was also a feature which came up a few times in this story as well, first with rocks thrown at Ebenezer Babson's house, and then at the stockade. In addition to a common poltergeist activity in general, rocks thrown at houses seems to have been quite a common thing in the Puritan days. Cotton Mather's works alone have several instances of this, and there is also the 1698 work Lithobolia, which tells the story of a, quote, stone-throwing devil who afflicted the home of George Walton in New Hampshire. What exactly the besiegers of Gloucester were is unknown, but we can almost certainly say that they were not an actual band of French and Native Americans marauding in the area. For if they were, if it truly were a band associated with the hostilities of King William's War, you'd certainly think that they would almost certainly not restrain themselves to merely harassing one farmer in the militia of Gloucester. This was a war, after all. No other towns report of being harassed by these men. And so, aside from a single bullet pried from a tree, the besiegers dissolved into the mist from which they came, never to be seen or heard from again. And that's the end of this episode. As always, a list of sources consulted for this episode can be found in the show description, and photos associated with this week's story will be on my Instagram at Forgotten Darkness. If you have a question, a comment, or if you know a lesser-known story that you'd like to see covered, leave a comment on the podcast page, post it to the Facebook page at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, or send it to our email at ForgottenDarknessPodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, and you can DM me ideas there. I also now have a Google Map available, marked with the locations of various episodes. There's links to all these pages in the show description as well. So, until next time, this is Andrew, signing off. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.